now. Okay, let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. Unahit po te po whirimarama. Tomakia te ao te ao whatitangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahurau. Hamii hui tāi ki. Kia ora tātou, ko Shelley Taku Ingoa, you'll learn Sky Arahi on the Tsunami Lessons from the Chathams online field trip, which is supported by Toku, Toka Tuaki EQC. And a big welcome to our experts today. We've got Graham Leonard from DNS Science and Calvin from Massey University. And we'll give you guys a chance to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your mahi. Uh, we'll start with Calvin. Kia ora. And to all the children there at Whangarei Head School, um, warm greetings from sunny Rotorua. A bit <laughs> cold here today. Um, but I'm a school teacher. Um, I used to train principals all around the country and across the world. Um, I am in the space as a senior research fellow at the Joint Centre for Disaster Research and work alongside wonderful people like Dr. Graham Leonard and others in building resilient communities. Kia ora. Kia ora. And Graham. Koutou, good morning, everybody. My name is Graham Leonard. I'm a volcanologist and tsunami scientist here at GNS Science in Avalon and Wellington. So GNS is a government agency and we run GeoNet, where we monitor earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunami. And I'm here to answer questions about earthquakes and tsunami. And uh, I work a lot with emergency management, so I can talk about how, how you prepare for earthquakes and tsunami too. Kia ora. Fantastic. Kia ora. Thanks, Graham. And I'm, I'm speaking to you from frigid old Otiputi Dunedin this morning, where there's snow on the ground and Barry's in Otatahi Christchurch, where I think there's also snow on the ground. So it's really lovely to be able to connect across the Motu, uh, lots of different places this morning. And I don't think anywhere is particularly warm, but a very warm welcome to everyone. Um, it'd be really nice to hear from our listening schools um, to know a little bit more about where you're from, um, maybe what you're looking at getting from this session and um, uh, yeah, just a bit of an intro I think would be really cool. So we'll start with Whangarei Head School, whether it's your teacher or a student, up to you. Kia ora everyone, um, Dane Higgison, Whangarei Head School. I, I just asked the class if we don't want to speak, but maybe one, a bit later once they've warmed up a bit. Um, but yeah, no, it is, if I just pan a bit uh, up in Northland, we've got a very sunny day. We've just been running around on the court and um, yeah, we had a lot of rain yesterday. It was a bit cooler last night, but sunshine today, which is nice. So apologize to the to to those of you in snow or, or cool southerlies. Um, we have been on a little bit of a journey this year with our year seven and eight class. So we are year five and six. We've been on a journey with our year seven and eight class and we've hooked up with um, uh, Sophia um, Sang, Sang from Auckland University who is running the RCET, so Rapid Characterization of Earthquakes and Tsunamis. So she's running that program and she is connected with many schools in the north and we were one of the first. So we've got a seismometer um, in our office. So that's fun to, to run past and jump, jump on the ground and see what happens. So um, we had that connected at the end of 
was it the end of last year? Oh. The beginning of this year? Um, I can't remember. Beginning of this year. And she has come up for a few sessions with the two classrooms, talking us through um, tsunamis and earthquakes and, and yeah, some a bit of the science around them. So that has been our journey. And then I saw this was advertised, Barry. So um, I thought that'd be quite cool to add to our, add to our knowledge. Fantastic. Cool. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. And Lauren. Um, kia ora, I'm joining from Pakaranga College and in about two minutes I'm going to have a class of year 10s joining us. Um, so we've just started our earth science topic so we've learned about the structure of the earth and then later on we're going to be looking at how it forms volcanoes and tsunamis and earthquakes. Excellent. Hey, well, thanks very much for joining us this morning. It's great to have you along. Um, we've got some questions prepared on behalf of schools. And of course, you can come up with questions of your own and we'll have a chance to answer those at the end. So we'll start with the first question, which is, you've called the field trip a lessons from the Chathams. So what is the number one lesson that you can share with us about tsunami in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Who would like to start? I could take that one if you want. All right, that's a great question. So I guess the, the Chathams are exposed to tsunami all around the islands because they've got so much coastline. And that is a, an example for the rest of New Zealand. So New Zealand is a, an island nation just like the rest, just like the Chathams, the rest of New Zealand is an island nation. And there's, there, there is a tsunami risk on all of New Zealand's coastlines. So. The, uh, the number one lesson to learn about that is if you're near the coast and you feel a long or a strong earthquake, longer than a minute, or it's hard to stand up, it doesn't have to be both, you need to get gone. So move inland or to higher ground out of any tsunami evacuation zones. And, that, and that's the thing we need to know wherever we are in New Zealand. If we, if we learn or fit, uh, of a tsunami or we feel that, that earthquake, that large earthquake. Yora, thanks, Graham. Yeah, really important not to wait for those official warnings if you feel that long or strong earthquake. Um, Calvin, have you got anything you want to add there? Yeah, I suppose just a question for uh, Graham, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, in this particular event within the Chathams, um, the wave or the tsunami tsunami waves came from a long um, distance away. So, what are some of the lessons about that? Yeah, so if the tsunami, most tsunami come from earthquakes around, and for us, that's around the Pacific Ring of Fire, so the edge of the Pacific Plate. And we can feel the earthquakes from sources relatively close to New Zealand, but if it's, if it's coming from the other side of the Pacific, like Chile or Peru, we're not going to feel that, but we've got a lot more time. And in those cases, different to the 1800s. Now we have a technological network all across the Pacific that can detect the earthquakes and share information in real time. And then we can measure the size of the tsunami on tsunami gauges, like you saw in the videos, and deep ocean tsunami gauges to see how big the tsunami coming towards us might actually be. And then emergency management have a system called emergency mobile alerts on your phone which can give you a message to tell you to evacuate if you need to, because often it'll take 
12 or 15 hours before that tsunami gets here. So there's quite a bit of time. Who, who in, that, in the class I can see there at Whangarei Head School, who's, who's ever heard an emergency mobile alert on a phone at, phone at home go off? Yeah, all right. So that, that system, I was involved with putting together the, um, the case to get the money for that system. And we put that system together for tsunami. We've used it a bit for COVID uh, alert levels recently, but it's actually designed for tsunami. Yeah, really, really interesting that because back in, in my childhood, we always thought about tsunami sirens and warnings. And it's important to realize that, yeah, we get warnings for those far away tsunamis, but not for the close ones. So, yeah, we only really need to worry about if that earthquake is long or strong. Otherwise, we are going to find out from the warning system. Good to know. Good lessons. Um, Question number two. Yeah, oh, hang on, before we go, Shelley, Poppy's just yep. got something to add to that. Absolutely. Um, we're on the coast of um, Hongarei, and we have people um, coming up to our school when there's a siren coming on. Going on. Okay. Yep. It's fantastic, Poppy. And um, knowing where to go, is it Poppy? Yep. Poppy, it's fantastic to hear your um, uh, your comment regarding where is a safe place to go. And so in terms of what are some of the critical lessons that we learned from the Chatham Islands, going to pass it back to Graham, and we had a, a little bit, we called them inundation maps in yeah, the chairs. That's right. So evacuation maps are what Civil Defence Emergency Management have on their, on their website. So you, if you want to know... If you're in a tsunami zone, go to your local civil defense website and you can have a look at the tsunami evacuation maps and you can see if you're in those zones. So that's the most important thing for you to know. One thing you really want, we really want to make sure uh, your families know is that your school has a plan and that you'll evac if you're in those zones, you'll evacuate safely we so that parents and whanau don't feel like they need to come to the school and put themselves at danger because that, that can be a problem anywhere around New Zealand and we've seen it around the world. So when you guys have an exercise, make sure you let your family, your wider family know that your plan is good and not to come to school straight away if there's a tsunami warning because you guys are going to be safe. Yeah, yeah key to have that plan. So Thank just you. add to that, so the, the civil defence kind of headquarter places or community places throughout the country, and often they are a school or a marae or a community hall, is that still the case? Yeah, we are. We are at our school. We've got a little shed and civil defence. Yeah, that's one of the posts. So we're just up on a hill, just up from the up up from the from the bay. So yeah. Uh, when did we have it? Last was it no last November? There was a tsunami warning, and it was during school on a Friday, and we had many people come up um, and, and camp out for a, a couple of hours. Very good. Yeah, important to know your safe zones. Uh, question number two, what Matauranga Māori can you share about natural hazards like tsunami and Aotearoa? Lots of knowledge. Well, kia ora everybody. I'll jump in there. So for this particular part that we had in the Chatham Islands, refers um, the knowledge of this actually is within our tribe. So within Ngāti Mutunga ki Taranaki, not Ngāti Mutunga or Whare uh, in the Chathams, that's where I come from. 
And within our whānau, Waira whānau, we've held on to that particular event in 1868 um, <clears throat> through the naming of um, loved ones. And that's our, with that, it's a significant thing called um, your name, like Poppy. I'm sure Poppy's got a wonderful name, or your teacher, Mr. Dane. Um, it has such a significance, your name. And so that's how we remember and hold on to that particular event. Now, the newspapers that followed um, that were written in New Zealand only reported one person um, being killed. And that was because he was trying to retrieve his waka. And if you're on the Chatham Islands, there's very little beach trees. So there's, at that particular time, all boats and vessels were made out of wood. And so they don't have that particular type of wood in the Chatham Islands, and it's very difficult to gather any types of food or to travel. So uh, in terms of mātauranga Māori, in terms of being close to the source, that's how we've remembered um, that particular event. Yeah, and I guess that is a reminder to all of us to think about uh, the places that we live in, how we're connected to them, and the stories that those places tell us. You might be able to talk to your whānau, your wider school community, and find out about things that have happened in your area in the past. And it might give you a, a much better understanding of, of your environment and where you live. So asking questions, talking to, to whānau, talking to your elders. I know I learned a whole lot from my grandmother um, by asking lots of questions of her. I probably was really annoying, but um, she always seemed to enjoy uh, answering those questions. So it's always good to remember to ask those questions and share those stories so that we remember events and we learn from them. Kia ora, thanks, Calvin. Uh, question number three we've got here is, what area of Aotearoa is at most risk of tsunami and why? I can answer that. Okay, so we've already touched on that, all of the coastline of New Zealand. But to add to that, the largest tsunami are probably going to come to the east side of New Zealand. And the fastest arrivals are probably on the east coast between East Cape and Wellington. And that's because our big tsunami source locally is the Hikorangi subduction zone. So that's the ring of fire piece the plate boundary edge of the Pacific plate off of New Zealand is just offshore of the North Island. And so we can get very big earthquakes there offshore and not that different to the Japanese tsunami in 2011 and the Indian Ocean tsunami in 2004. So that will get to the coast in places like Napier or Gisborne in as little as 10 or 20 minutes. And it can give us tens of meters of tsunami along the east side of New Zealand, especially in the North Island. But all of New Zealand is at risk. So if it's long or it's strong, you need to get gone everywhere and not wait for anything. Don't wait for that that alert in your phone. That's that's for tsunami from further away. You should never be waiting for that. Kia ora. Kia ora. Yeah, really important to remember that uh, we, we're all at risk. Um, if we feel that earthquake, we're not going to be hanging around. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, we've got question number four here. Uh, what has been the largest tsunami to have ever hit Aotearoa? And how do you actually know? Shall I take that one as well? 
Um, that's a really, a really good question. I, I mean, large can mean a bunch of things. Do we mean widespread or do we mean the size of the wave? And those are probably, they're two different things. Um, and also, is it, are we talking about whether it's written down or whether it's kind of happened in the last few thousand years? So the largest has probably been in the, in the last few thousand years, as big as the Japanese or that Indian Ocean tsunami, really big. But we don't have written records of that. Now, Mataranga Māori may have some recollection of one of those events, or it might have been just before uh, Māori arrived in New Zealand. We're a little unsure of that. I don't know if Kelvin wants to add anything to that, but I'll just mention before we, we go to Kelvin, what we know from written records, which tend to be European records, uh, the largest events have been that, that 1860s event that caused fatalities in the Chathams, and also a 1960 event from Chile. And those produced meters of tsunami along the east coast of New Zealand, across a lot of New Zealand. Um, and and, and, that, and that's, that's kind of dangerous. We've also had bigger tsunami in very local areas. For example, a Fiordland earthquake in the last couple of decades caused a landslip in one of the fjords and that created a 10 or 15 meter tsunami just on the other side of the fjord. It was, very, it was only in a small area, but it was really quite big. Yeah, you killed a gram. Yeah, the largest one that we've heard about in terms of loss of life really has been in the Chatham Islands. Though in my mother's time, when she was at school, back in 1960 in Gisborne, uh, they had um, tsunami waves that came um, during the day, actually. It only came up a couple of metres, but um, people were so uh, drawn to it that they actually went down to... Um, the wharf and they have photos uh, of the actual tsunami wave into the, that came into the wharf, very dangerous. And um, if I can say it, very silly. So another, at that particular time, there was the wave bounced off and overnight it went into uh, the Fakatani area. And so the corridor that we have with our grandfathers that were working for the Fakatani District Council, where all the drums of 44 gallons of diesel floating out onto the ocean as the wave um, receded and went backwards. So those two particular events are foremost in our minds. And I suppose having uh, those stories from your grandparents um, <clears throat> is really critical because it is personal. Sometimes it's very difficult to look at one dimensional pieces of paper and to glean knowledge and information, but it's really important about building that intergenerational knowledge and the dangers of tsunamis. Mm, and that's why it's so great that you're joining us this morning and learning more about it. There is a little bit, of, I don't know whether it's, it's folklore or um, whether this teacher's uh, actions were just so silly that everybody here in Otipodi kind of knows about it, but there is this story of a school going down to see the uh, arrival of a tsunami and then I think it was that 1960 event that you talked about Graham and um, we now luckily know how silly that is yeah. <laughs> and we wouldn't be going to the beach to look at it. Yeah and, and kids that's a that's a lesson that you can pass on to your community so that was actually a warning about an aftershock the day after the big tsunami so we had people who ran inland but people who ran to the coast and and you need to work with your family and your community to make sure they know they should never run to the coast to look for a tsunami because it's too dangerous. 
you might be able to get a good viewpoint from way up the hill. It'll be yeah. a lot safer. Yeah. 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 That 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 selfie that selfie photo is only going to be able to be shared if if you're okay in the tsunami. So you've got to get to the safe zone first. <laughs> yes, exactly. Shelley. Shelley, there's lots of information of uh, people. You can you can watch some of the video coverage that's happened in various parts of the world. Um, some of it's be careful though. It's some of it's uh, uh, it's it's not nice. But um, the, such is the danger of tsunami waves. Um, so it's really critical. Can, can you just put your hands up, those in Whangarei Head School, who actually live out at Tutukaka? Does any of the children there live out at Tutukaka Beach? Uh, no, Calvin, that's a, that's a little... It, it, it's not far as the pigeon flies, but it's you'd have to go yeah, go inland and go back out again. I think it's about a, close to an hour's drive from here. But um, are you referring to the tsunami where there was damage at the marina just recently? Yeah, the 5th of March, um, 2021 yeah. tsunami alert. Yeah, I, I, I think I said November, but yeah, it was the March one. No, um, but that, that is the time when we had a number of community members come up, come up, to, our, come, come up to our school grounds. Um, but we but we have looked at that on on the news. Yeah, that that footage. And okay. in our local bay, just um, a kilometre down the hill, Tarakura Bay, there uh, the water went out really quickly. Yeah, it got it surged out really quickly. So that was quite fascinating. Did any of you guys see that in, in Tarakura? Yeah, just a few. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so important to remember those lessons and how do you capture. And um, so when you see something like that happen and it's come from a long way away and you don't have your cell phone on you, what do you do? You get gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, another question here. What are the best preparations that we can all make for future tsunami events? Well, I've got a few messages there to kick it off. Uh, number one, we've already said a lot of these, know your zone. So look on Civil Defence's website and see where your zone is and know where you need to go to get to safety. And if your school is safe, you can tell the community that. Number two, Make a plan and have a plan at school, especially at schools, especially at schools that are in the zone. Tell everybody your plan and then regularly have an exercise, have a tsunami hikoi. These days, when we have the national shakeout drill, which is the earthquake drop cover hold drill, we also ask every school in the country that's in a tsunami zone to do a tsunami hikoi and walk through its evacuation zone. And we want to encourage everyone to do that. And make sure that your friends and family in those schools know that that will work, that it's a good plan, and they don't feel like they need to come to the school. They should instead evacuate themselves and keep themselves safe. Jora. I think there's a few. Thank you very much, Graham. There's some really good tips there. And I think you should go to the website, have a look up what's the plan, Stan. Um, <clears throat> and it's really important that you tell everybody that's important to you that where you're going to go because um, Dr. Graham Leonard says every second counts. Now you don't have to be super fit 
just need to be able to walk. And so another thing that's really important is to, if you're at home, is to look after your pets. So bring your pets with you. Don't forget about your pets. Indeed. And always important to think about when you're away from home. You might be on holiday somewhere or visiting extended Fano friends somewhere else, thinking about where you are at any particular time because the plan might be quite different. Say if you're on a beach holiday, for example, living on the, the coast for a little bit. So th things to consider. Shelley, if I can jump in. Now, children, you only spend 16% of your year at school. So you have approximately 84% of your time outside of school. Yeah. So always have a plan. When you're going on a trip, make sure there's a plan and that people understand where, you, where you're at. We have an event that happened on March the 5th, 2021, where one of our local Rotorua schools was camped at a very low-lying beach at Maketu. And <clears throat> the principal was um, in panic mode and he was racing like, a, like the other parents in their vehicles to, to um, make the 45-minute trip. And I said, tell everyone, please stop. So it was really important to have a plan to go to a safe area. There are things that you will need. So if you have a grab-and-go bag, so make sure that you've got some lunch, toilet paper, um, a hat. Uh, if you have a way of keeping yourselves um, entertained, like a pack of cards, or you might be doing your basic facts from your New, New Zealand numeracy, um, you, or a book to read, something like that that can keep you. So you will be there for a while. Great point, Kelvin. And so yeah. it's, the other point too is make sure your friends are okay. Okay, and communication will be limited. So in terms of um, <clears throat> uh, being able to get um, uh, cell phone coverage, there'll probably be an overload. Don't panic. Long as people know that you've gone to that plan and that you're at that fallback position, that you'll be safe. Hi, very good advice. Thanks, Calvin. And our last question um, before we go to our schools and seeing if they have any other questions um, is how can we find out more about the natural hazards that exist in our own local area? And it might be tsunami and it might be other things like earthquakes, landslides, possibly even volcanoes. Where can we find that kind of information? Well, I'll just come back. I think we said this earlier. Your number one stop for that is your local civil defence and emergency management. So if, you, if you're in Northland at Whangarei Head School, so Northland Civil Defence, if you Google that, you'll go to their website and there's lots of information about the natural hazards and how to prepare for those in your, in your region and at your local spot like in Whangarei. Excellent. And that's where thinking about um, holidays and school camps and all that sort of things important too. Your teachers probably go through a whole planning process. They probably share it with you, the risk management. Certainly if you're going to the central volcanoes for a camp, you'd have a whole different plan than if you were going to um, the mountains in the South Island, for example, 
or to the coast. So it's thinking about where you are at any particular time as well. Calvin. Yeah, there's um, within the names of the area and within the knowledge of um, the knowledge holders with of Marae, et cetera, there will be some um, <clears throat> really key words. And so Northland is well known for its tropical rainfall and flooding and slips. And some of the names around Whangarei are related to slips. So some of the research um, that has been coming out, or will be coming out, um, is based from GNS Science and also Auckland University. And so you can have a look at those. What are some of the what are some of the information from a local source and also from a very scientific source as well? And have we got any questions from Thangarei Head School or Pakaranga College this morning? Any questions that you guys have got that you want to ask or type in the chat pod? Who's got one? Penny? Penny can kick us off. Um, sorry. Um, it's too bad in the sun. Um, what are the other ways um, tsunamis are made, like apart from earthquakes? And good question. That is a good question. Thanks, Penny. Yeah, so tsunami, I guess a good question is what is a tsunami? So a tsunami is any disturbance of a water body other than wind waves. So it might be a lake or it might be the ocean. And earthquakes are the most common source, but also landslides into or under the water, volcanic eruptions, and even meteorites hitting the water can cause tsunami too. And actually, it's important to know, because if it isn't an earthquake, that if you see anything really unusual happening in the water, it receding or it just doing something you've never seen before, you should head to higher ground. Or if you hear an unusual noise from the ocean you've never heard before, and often described as the roaring of a jet engine, you should head to higher ground. Those are two other, two other sensors you can use that might mean a tsunami. Mm, good, good point. Thank you. And remember, you can find out more about this topic on the Loons website if you haven't had a chance to um, really look through that field trip website. There's a heap of information there in the Discover More pages. There's all the videos from our journey to the Chathams, which was quite a special jam-packed few days where we got to explore the islands with Calvin and Graham. So do check out the videos if you haven't seen those. Um, and there's some quizzes to have a go at can explore the Google Earth tour. There's a lot of information in there that uh, you can access. Any other questions, people? Hello? Hello? You might need to come up to the laptop to um, say your question because we can't quite hear you there. What would happen if a tsunami hit like a dam or something like that? Uh, that's a, a good question, yeah, because there is some important infrastructure, buildings, etc., that we've got that we wouldn't want to be hit by a tsunami. So, yeah, what what might the impact be? Well, it, it, it could be bad. Tsunami are quite damaging. They're not just water. They're a surge of water that kind of comes for 20 or more minutes, and then it goes out, and then it comes back in for a long time, for many hours. That's why you need to stay away until you hear an official all clear. And the water's often got things floating in it, debris, trees, or, or even cars and things like that. 
and it's often got sand in it. So it can be, it can do quite a bit of damage. And so we do see damage to buildings. We see damage to walls and things like that. Uh, we can engineer buildings to be strong if they're tall enough to be safe on the top of a building. And that's something we're thinking about in big cities. And we've seen that work in Japan and other places around the world, but tsunami can be very damaging. So that's why it's really important to evacuate straight after a long or a strong earthquake. Don't wait for anything else. Don't wait for any official warning. Arlo, is, is that your name, Arlo? Arlo. Arlo. Um, thank you very much for that question. With regards to the Chatham Islands, there was a big, huge row of trees um, in between uh, the beach and um, where the village was. The first set of waves took the whole trees out, like a whole forest just disappeared. And by the time the third set of waves came in, 15 minutes later, it took everything, the buildings, their food source, their clothing, and unfortunately some people as well. So they're very damaging. I'm sure that a dam, um, and like uh, Dr. Graham Leonard was saying, the ocean oscillates. It goes back and forth, back and forth, hence the name Hurimwana, which actually means to go to oscillate, to go back and forth. So you just imagine it's like a train going chung, 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 like a boxer. And very soon, if you keep at it enough, the walls are coming down. So the oscillation period for that went for 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, so that that's when they say, you know, it's um, not safe to go back straight away. You've got to wait for the all clear because that, uh, that tsunami oscillation can, as Calvin said, last for a really long time. And we've got a question, I think, from Pakaranga College. Uh, what causes earthquakes? Graham. Sorry, I lost my mute button. Uh, what causes earthquakes? That's a really good question. So earthquakes are a buildup of stress in the rock that makes up the crust of the planet. If you think my think of my hands as being a couple of tectonic plates, like this one is the Pacific plate and this one might be the North Island, there's pressure on them all the time from inside the planet and they deform a little, they actually bend, rock can bend, just like window glass can bend. If you've ever had a really windy day, you might see the window bending a little bit. So the rock bends over hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden you can imagine it can't hold it anymore, and it does that one day. And that breaking, because it can't hold it anymore, is called an earthquake. So it's just releasing the stress. And then it just starts building up again, and you get another earthquake. And that gap between my knuckles is a fault line. Hopefully that explains it clearly enough. Cheers. And, and please don't waste all your plastic rulers, but you can imagine, you can see my plastic ruler there. You bend that enough, it's going to break. So enough pressure on it. And it's going to break, and that's kind of a little bit like an earthquake. Good simulation. I think um, Dr. Graham Leonard could talk about continental plate movements. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that pressure is coming from the Pacific plate pushing against the Australian plate. The North Island is on the Australian plate, and that's happening at plate boundaries all around the world. It's being driven by the mantle underneath the crust, the hot mantle inside the Earth slowly moving and pulling the plates with it. I've got a question. <laughs> uh, countries that are most at risk from tsunami, 
are they leading the world in research? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the country, New Zealand is leading the world in research, and we work with countries, especially Japan and the United States uh, and Chile, because those are all places exposed to quite a lot of tsunami risk around that Pacific Ring of Fire that you can imagine. There are some other countries that are also exposed, but they don't they don't quite have as much money to spend on research. And so we spend we, we work with them to share knowledge, places like the Philippines. And do we have any other questions from our students this morning? Um, we do have a, a few others, a yep. few other questions. Um, Macy? Um, so, if you were out at sea um, and there was a tsunami, could you dive under the tsunami? That's if an you were, interesting question. Yeah, yes, if you were in really deep water because it hasn't picked up the sand and debris from the coast. And we, we know that ships and fishermen did quite well in Indonesia and Japan if they were really deep, where the water depth is more than 50 metres or especially more than 100 metres deep, so way out. Not really where you'd be swimming normally, more out where you might be fishing. Okay. If, you're, if you're swimming close to the coast, no way. You need to get out of the water and run to high ground because the currents will be strong and the water will be full of sand and debris, and so it's really dangerous. But out on the open ocean, the, the tsunami is really small isn't it? And it's yeah. going really fast, what, 700k an hour, and it doesn't get big until it hits the shallows, is that right? That's right. So, you know, in the deep ocean where it's, you know, kilometres deep, the tsunami might just be centimetres because it's spreading the energy over all of those kilometres of water and it just it builds up when it gets to the shallow water near the coast. So definitely not a surfer's wave. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to have Any to leave in a questions? few minutes, so I can, probably, I can probably help with one more question. Yes, very good. One more question. You guys can join us on um, Thursday next week for more questions. Yep. Graham's um, available. Do you have any more questions? Quaver? Okay. What type of height can tsunami waves go up to? Yeah. Is that correct, Weaver? So in the Chatham Islands, uh, the waves went anywhere up to seven metres high. So if I can look at um, your teacher, Dane, he looks about two metres high. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> so about three or four times the size of Matua Dane. And if you just imagine, it's not like a surfing wave. It doesn't look like a surfing wave. It is a solid wall. So they're, it's, they're very dangerous. And they can get even larger. The, the Japanese ones were like... Yeah. So I, I went and studied the Japanese and Indonesian run-ups, and they, the, it ran up hills at the steep coastal cliffs as high as 35 metres. So the evacuation zones you'll see in your region on the local civil defence website, they allow for the largest tsunami that we think can come to that place. So that's why it's important to know your local tsunami evacuation zones. Yeah. I think mm. it's really important too, kids, to, to understand context. So if Graham can talk about the how far away from the epicentre the, the wave was from the land. Graham? Yeah. So the farther away, like, like coming from South America, uh, the, the wave energy will drop off. So the South American tsunami, like 
like the one that hit in uh, the Chathams in the uh, 1860s. Uh, that's probably almost as big as it'll get in the Chathams, which as Kelvin pointed out, may, might've been about seven meters by measurement. Whereas when we're really close to the source, so that plate boundary off of the North Island, areas like Napier and Gisborne could see up to that 35 meters I talked about because it's coming from closer by. So the wave energy can't drop off as much. Mm, really interesting. So I'm, I'm aware of people's time, so we'll wrap things up. But just remember that we do have another session next week on Thursday at the earlier time of nine o'clock. And Graham's available for that. Unfortunately, Calvin can't join us, um, but we have got that second session. So it'll be really cool if you um, sent us some questions for that session and we can prepare for that next week. But kia ora, thank you so much, Calvin and Graham, for your excellent answers this morning. And thanks very much to Whangarei Head School and Pakaranga College for joining us this morning. It's been awesome to have you along. And you can listen to a recording of this session as well. Kia ora koutou. Thanks, everyone. And now we can all say a big goodbye. Um, Bye, guys. Have a great day. Akite. Akite. Kia ora. Nā mahi nui. And that brings our Learns web conference to an end.